turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. Yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. Welcome to Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer. Senior Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Visit gracechurchva.org for this message and to find out more about how you can grow in Christ. We serve a big God, and we believe that His Word calls for us to live big. So our prayer is that this broadcast empowers you to live a life so big that it blesses everyone and everything around you. Let's get into the teaching. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 8. Last week we reviewed... Uh, the letter to the church at Ephesus. This week, we're going to focus on the church at Smyrna. Uh, verse uh, 8 begins, And to the angel, or angelos, uh, where we get the term angel, of the church. Once again, this term angel literally means uh, messenger or designated messenger. This angel was the lead pastor uh, of the church or the bishop of the church uh, at Smyrna. Now, there's enormous value in self-study. There's enormous value in, in you worshiping alone and getting uh, alone with God. But there's some things you will not receive from God only by yourself. You need the input of a real pastor, someone that has uh, sacrificed, someone that has devoted their lives to the study of scripture and to the, the, the prayerful obedience uh, to God and to the angel of the church in Smyrna. Now, Smyrna is not an ancient vodka. It might sound like it, but, but it's not. It was a proud, beautiful city uh, that was really wealthy and it was very, very uh, closely aligned with uh, Rome. And I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but, but actually this was one of the first cities, actually the first city in the entire empire that began to worship the, the emperor or, or the spirit of Rome, Roma, literally. Uh, so Smyrna competed with Ephesus, the, 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 uh, folks we, we just read about last week, but also Pergamos, the folks we're going to read about next week for the title, the first city of Asia. And many times, frankly, it was uh, a Smyrna that won the competition. This was an incredible city. And he said, write these things, says the first and the last. So Jesus, right out of the gate, reminds us of his eternality, that God is eternal, that Christ is not just a human that kind of popped up somewhere. Uh, he was much more than just a mortal, and he was giving us a message. He said, who was dead and came to life? He reminds us again really early on that he has suffered 
too. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He knows what it's like to be publicly ridiculed. He knows what it's like to be criticized and shamed and, and brutalized. Jesus knows our pain and there's no sorrow on earth that heaven cannot heal. He says, I know or I'm fully acquainted with your works. Once again, Jesus is not focusing on their hearts, but primarily on their works. And one of the best way you can proves uh, your good intentions is by doing the right thing. And when it's real, you just don't hear promises. You will see commitment in the life of that, that person that's making uh, the promise. He says, I know or I'm intimately acquainted with, I'm paying attention to your works. And then he adds tribulation. Now, sometimes we think if, if God knew how bad it, it hurt, he wouldn't have allowed it to happen. But the one who was dead has come back to life, and he is a fellow sufferer. He knows what pain is all about. He, he has been fully initiated into the subject of suffering, and he knows more about our pain. He knows more about your pain than we could ever possibly imagine. And in fact, many times it hurts him even more than it hurts us. He says, I know your works, your tribulation." And poverty. Now, this may surprise you, but you can suffer even though you are in the perfect will of God. I remember when Grace Church first started and, uh, you know, Pastor and I, we were uh, starting a church and funding a church, but we were also starting a family. And a big night out for, for Pastor and I was uh, often, I mean, it's a big night us going out to Denny's and uh, us having a meal there. And that might have seemed a little pitiful to, to, to everybody else. But, but when I looked across that table and, and she smiled back at me and we were able to look each other in the eye, I knew that I had much more than many people at Ruth's Chris, you know, had just down the street. And, and I was so, 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 so grateful. You know, there's a saying that money doesn't make you. Uh, it just makes you more of who you are. And I think that's really uh, a true. So if you're faithful when you don't have anything, uh, you're you're not going to become faithful when you get more. But if you are faithful with what you have, even when you get more, it's just going to give you an opportunity to become more faithful. He says, I I, I know your your tribulation, your works and poverty, but watch this, but you are rich. Now, this is important because in the city of Smyrna, uh, many Christians at this, this, in this time period, while he, the folks that he wrote this letter to uh, had been fired from, from their jobs because they wouldn't participate in the trade guilds of their day. Uh, the, the trade guilds were a lot like our, our unions today. If you weren't part, if you're not part of the union, many times you can't work a certain job. Likewise, if you were not part of, say, the, the brick mason guild or what have you, you couldn't uh, work with, with your hands and, and, and build uh, walls and, 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 and temples and, and the rest. But, but what happened here was uh, Christians began to drop out of these guilds because part of the meeting required you to to sprinkle incense to the gods and, and worship uh, the patron god of that particular guild. But also, the way you worship gods in this era was often through immorality. So there were orgies and the rest that took place. And, and the Christians did not want to participate in things that they had been delivered from. So they, they refused. And when they refused, they began to lose work. These guys and, and the, these men and women were serious uh, about their faith. But the Bible says, 
says, and this is Jesus' comment, he's, he's looking at them and they're dealing with some abject poverty. Uh, they're really having a hard time making uh, ends meet. And you'd look at them and you would think that they're pitiful and they're poor. And often in that, that age, if you were successful, they felt you had the favor of the gods. So the fact that many Christians were, were struggling financially because of their convictions uh, made people think that, you know what, they did not have the favor of the gods. But Jesus looks at them, God taken on flesh and says, but you are rich. Now you may be struggling in some area of your life today, But if you're in that predicament because of God, he will compensate you in other ways. Now, they may have been poor, but I have traveled the globe and I have seen many poor people happier than people uh, driving, you know, uh, $100,000 cars. And forgive me, I'm not speaking bad about those of you that, that have nice vehicles. But the point is. I've been around the globe and I've found people with more satisfaction at times and, and more fullness and, and, and better family relations. And even though they did not have great resources, but there was a depth of their relationship with God and there was uh, peace and joy that, that passed understanding. It wasn't connected to the things of this age. And in many ways, they're richer than those of us that have all these means. And, and, you know, I'll go over there and you want to empty your pockets to be a blessing and there's nothing wrong with that. But the reality is sometimes I wanted them to lay hands on me so I could get what they had versus them just get what, what, what I had. He says, but you are what? Rich. I know for me, one of my biggest challenges um, over the years has been my long work hours. I mean, even today, uh, you know, I've been up since two o'clock uh, th- this morning prepping for this message and, and then uh, raced home yesterday after work to try to uh, finish this, this message. And there's just a whole lot of hours that goes into uh, what I, I, I do. And, and then there's administrative issues and there's folks that want to talk to me and, and then the, the issues and crises that, 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 that arise. And, and just my struggle has often been that the amount of of work that leading this church uh, requires. But what I've found over the years is every time I have sacrificed uh, for the Lord, now I'd ask the Lord, I'd be like, Lord, will you, will you honor this? And, and sometimes you just need to say no. But, but when I had a yes in my heart, he always gave me whatever I lost back to my family. And uh, it, it would just pop up in a way. It could be a trip. It, it could be a private moment with one of my sons. It could be a conversation that would happen. And I knew that it was just the favor of the Lord that, that enriched that time and that moment. And I knew that if I wouldn't have sacrificed uh, in the kingdom, he would not have done that for my family. And what's amazing is my, my kids are now, my boys are now in their early 20s, and they both love the Lord, and none of them will tell you that they feel that I've sacrificed my relationship with them for the church. There's no resentment in all the rest. But all of that has been because, uh, you know, I, I was willing to make the sacrifice. And yes, it was difficult at times. And sometimes that meant that I had to adjust my schedule. Sometimes that meant I, I'd come home maybe at three o'clock when they got home uh, from school. But then I work all the way, you know, to two o'clock in the morning. They may not have known about all that. But the bottom line was, listen, uh, I, I, I was going to give my best to God, the best to this congregation. But at the same 
same time, I wanted to minister to my family. And when, when, when you have that tension and, and that challenge, it's only 24 hours. I don't care who you are. No one gets more than 24 hours a day because the sun pops back up again, whether you like it or not. But God has always honored it. And he has blessed our family as I have sought first the kingdom. He's added all these other things. But you are what? Rich. And I know the blasphemy. Now, Jesus is paying attention or Jesus communicating the things he's paying most attention to. He's paying super close attention to their works, their lifestyle, their deeds. He's paying super close attention to the tribulation and the hardships they're going through. He's paying super close attention to their poverty. But he's also paying attention to something else. This is why you don't want to get on the wrong side of the righteous. And I know the blasphemy the dishonest accusations, the verbal abuse. Now, here's the deal. If no one has ever said anything bad about you, it's probably because you've never threatened anyone. But if you live righteous in Christ, you will be a threat, and somebody's going to say something at some time. I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews. Now, Smyrna had a very large and influential Jewish community. And, uh, what was happening is many Jewish people were leaving the synagogues and giving, uh, their, their, putting their faith in, in the Messiah and, and leaving again the synagogue and, and starting to attend church. And, 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 and because of this, the, the tensions were immense. And, and I know even amongst churches today, you know, when one church starts growing, the, the church down the street starts criticizing. So this is not so unusual. This is almost human nature here. Those who say they are Jews... But they are not. Now, God does not measure us based on our genealogy. He doesn't measure us based on our race, but in relation to his son. So I don't understand some of this crazy stuff where, you know, you got to be a certain color. We are descendants of Abraham, according to the New Testament, based on our faith in Christ. And here's the deal. You may be very, very religious, but it doesn't matter who you say you are. It matters who God says you are. But. Even though you, you say you, you know, you're a good Jew and, and all the rest, but Jesus saw it differently. But you are a synagogue. This, this, I mean, this is kind of the worst thing you could say of Satan. Now, just as everyone who comes to church is not necessarily Christian, likewise, everyone who went to the synagogue was not truly a follower of, of Father Abraham. And he said, do not fear any of these things. Literally stop being afraid. Only someone who has been there themselves could make a statement like this with, with such credibility and authority. Again, these folks were poor. They, they didn't have, they, they, they were looking for things to eat. They were being hard pressed uh, uh, by the, the criminal justice system. They, 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 it was a very, 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 very tough uh, time. They were under just intense pressure to recant and give up their faith. Smyrna was the last city in this period you wanted to be a Christian in, but it wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was his love for you and me. He said, do not fear folks that will hurt your body and that, that, that might even take your life, but fear him who could put you into hell. That's what Jesus literally says. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to 
suffer. Now, this is where typically people start to, 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 to push back and, and start to back up. They're like, well, you know, Bishop, I was following, I was even enjoying these, these messages till you t- started talking about, about suffering. All I'm trying to do is live my, my, my best life. But let me tell you something, I don't like this either. But, but it is a reality, and this is the mind and heart uh, of our God. You know, sometimes the only way past suffering is to put your head down and go right through it. He said, indeed, now Jesus is speaking. Pay attention to what he said. Indeed, the devil, not God. God's not doing this. God did not do this to the folks in Smyrna. Indeed, the devil. God was not the problem. God is not your problem. Everything bad that was happening was concocted by the devil. So stop blaming God for the things the devil's doing. But the word here, devil, diablos, uh, where we get the word diabolical, literally means accuser. And you've not really been in an intense spiritual battle with the devil until you've been accused of something you were not guilty of. And uh, this is what the devil specializes in. And this is why I'm so, I'm so slow to accuse people. That's why the Bible says, hey, if you're going to receive a, a negative report against an elder, you need to have uh, two witnesses. Uh, the, the devil's ministry is to accuse us, to accuse the pastor, to accuse the deacon, to accuse uh, the worship leader, to, to accuse the folks in the parking lot. Uh, that's the ministry of the devil. And how you know if you're demonized, are you always accusing people? Are you always finding fault. And if you are, you can be delivered. There is a name above every name. God wants to set you free from that habit. But I want to give you a little advice though. Never try to destroy someone's life with a lie when yours can be destroyed with the truth. And the devil's, he's a nasty foe. And one day the, all the stuff he slung at us is going to be slung back in his direction. He said, indeed, The devil, he says it twice in different ways. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you uh, into prison. Now, in those days, prison was not a place of rehabilitation. In those days, prison wasn't a place to punish somebody. Uh, In those days, prison was simply the holding place uh, while, you know, the the judge uh, came up with your final sentence right before execution. So they, they pretty much dropped you in a hole in the ground and kept you because, you know, and by the way, if you typically, if, if, if you were uh, uh, poor and you were put into prison, you never, ever got out. Um, and, and, you know, the, the ruling was almost certainly death. And, and, you know, as many years as, as passed, uh, things really haven't changed. If you're poor, uh, the, the criminal justice system, uh, comes against you like, like, like no other. But, but what had happened here is the devil had moved on the minds of men. It's not that, you know, some guy in a red suit and pajamas and pitchfork showed up and did something. No, he got into the thinking in the minds of, of men and women. And what he did is, is he began to, to lock Christians out of commerce. So he created such behaviors in commerce that the Christians couldn't participate. And then he began to use the, the, the legal system to criminalize the faith. Now, I just said something because that's some of what we're doing uh, here. To become a Christian in these days, you would become public enemy, number one. But the church of Smyrna was a place for heroes. He said, indeed, 
The devil's about to throw some of you into prison that you may be what? Tested. Who is testing them? The devil. But if you are gold, you really won't mind so much an acid test every now and then. If you're really a good basketball player, you're not surprised when someone's allowed to defend against you. You just, you just, you just get it done anyway. And these folks had such relationships with God that they were willing to suffer persecution, tribulation, and all the rest because of the nearness and the freshness of their relationship with God. And it goes on and says, this is tough. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. He said, John, send this letter to the church and say to them what I say to you. And you will have, I mean, this is going to happen, tribulation, debilitating, painful problems were forecast from the pulpit. Now, how many of you would, would, would like to, to hear me announce that, you know what, uh, poverty and, and, and tribulation and suffering and, and the devil and all that's about to, to come on us in, in a real way to, to test us. I mean, I, I can hear in my mind right now all the, 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 the footsteps to the door. But the church stood. He said, you will have tribulation, but watch this, 10 days. Jesus says here is going to happen, but it will not last forever. I'm going to limit it to 10 days. Now, many believe that the church at Ephesus we studied last week represented the first century church. And initially, you know, uh, they, they, they had pure doctrine. I mean, this is the Apostle Paul writing letters. I mean, you can't get purer than that. Peter and, and James and John and, 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 and you have all your truth is, is going out on a level uh, like no other time in history. But then they became a little bit more successful. And, and as time progressed, they began to lose their, their first love. And uh, this is really true of the church, uh, the, the first century church. And it does kind of mirror what was happening at, at Ephesus. But the same historians tell us that the church of Smyrna represents the church from about 100 AD to um, the Edict of Milan, which was around, I, I believe it's 313 or, or, or so. And between 100 and 313, there were 10 major persecutions against the church by uh, 10 Roman emperors. And uh, they, they say that these 10 days likens to those 10 emperors before uh, people were free to be Christians. Actually, Christianity became the religion of the state. And that's also a very, very dangerous uh, thing. But I, I do believe there were, it was 10 literal days. But with God, when he prophesies and speaks, there's layers to it. And I think it spoke to 10, 10 days that would be super tough uh, for this church. But it also uh, very well may have spoken to what would happen in, in coming uh, history. And by the way, as you read these letters, these same historians say that, you know, each uh, church represents a period in the church age. And by the time we get to the end, we will get to the age uh, that we are, are in. Um, he said, be faithful until death. Imagine having to listen to this message. Not listen, we're going to pray, we're going to hold a prayer meeting, we're going to bind the devil, we're going to deal with this thing. But no, 
Some of y'all will die, but be faithful even to death. By the way, this is why this part of the Bible is not taught anymore. And it says, and I will give you the crown of life. Jesus is saying to them and saying to us, Satan can, pay attention, Satan cannot hurt you more than God can bless you. Satan cannot hurt you more than God can reward you. But the imagery here is not of a royal crown that Jesus would place on the sufferer, but it's the garland that was worn by uh, the winner of an athletic competition. Um, he, he was speaking of that moment that after you had run your race or fought your, your fight, that the judge that had watched all of the, 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 the ongoings and, and all, 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 all of the conflict, he would come forward and with a reef in his hand, he would place it on your head. And that moment when he placed the reef on your head, it meant that you were a winner and, and, and that you were specially honored and you would receive a tremendous reward. So these people were living for the day that Jesus said, well done, my good and faithful servant. They were living for the day that they'd be honored by Jesus, not this world necessarily, not by the people in this world, but by Jesus himself. Be faithful unto death. There is a special blessing on those who have to die or suffer for their faith. And this is the part that we often want to ignore in the Bible, but there is a special blessing for this. And then he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this lets us know that he was not just speaking to the churches of John's day. It was written to all of us who hear uh, what the Holy Spirit has to say. God does not promise us that it will always be easy, but he does promise us it will be worth it. And then he says this, he who overcomes he who endures to the end, the one who does not quit, the people who hang in there shall not be hurt by the second death. There may be a death, but do not pity a person that suffers for their faith in this life, but goes on to their reward. Pity the one who only has this life and in the age to come, no reward. This has been Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. Access this message and much more for free at gracechurchva.org. We also invite you to join the Grace Church family for worship online every Sunday and Wednesday on social media at gracechurchva or on our website at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, live big. Live big.